Hello friends. So the episode that you are about to listen to was recorded um, at least a week um, up to a month prior to when it was published. So if you hear anything in relation to time or dates and you think to yourself that makes no sense, am I going crazy? I think the math does not add up and I think that they're talking about August and it is in September. You are not going crazy. I do get migraine shots every few months. So every few months, the plan will be to hopefully record um, multiple episodes prior to when I get those migraine shots because a little bit um, prior to when I get them, the previous ones were off and shortly after them, I do feel worse. I am very, very grateful that I am able to have them and that they do help overall. However, it does bring me down um, physically a little bit at first. And so in order to make sure that I can have consistent content and podcast episodes, I am trying to, like I said, record in advance. So if you are listening to this, know that um, this episode, like I said, was recorded in advance. And um, I really hope that this finds you well, that you enjoy this episode that you are about to listen to. I have some amazing guests lined up. So whatever episode that you're listening to, I'm sure it's going to be a good one. And I hope that I will be able to record and have episodes be published the same day or the same week at the end of September. And I hope you all have an amazing start to your fall and I will talk to you all later. So let's get into the episode. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Beautiful Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Abigail Gagnon, and today we have a special guest. Um, she was my first ever roommate, and we moved in together basically 10 years ago, like this week, I think, was when I started seeing the memories pop up, which is I thought crazy of that this morning. it's been that long. I saw pictures, and I was like, how has it been that long? That is crazy. It feels like a lifetime ago. Um, and yeah, so her and I, we met at the camp that I worked at that I have mentioned a few times in certain episodes. And I'm so excited to have her with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, hi. I So my name is Annie. Um, I lived with Abby. It was 2013. It. I was looking over all my notes. I totally over-researched your questions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking back, like, you know, how long have we known each other? And it was like, it was 10 years ago at the beginning of the summer that we met. And it was definitely like within 10 years ago, a week in either direction that we moved in together. Um, So yes, I I met Abby at the camp. Um, I worked in the kitchen with her. I worked in food service. Um, It was... A crazy, crazy summer. Um, and then we did live together. I think we lived together for that kind of off season of September to May. Then we moved back to the camp and then I left for another job halfway through that summer. Um, and we've kind of seen each other sporadically because I've been moving around so much. 
<laughs> which yes. is great because that's what we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, my name's Annie. Um, also a New, New England girl. And yeah, I defining trait of me is that I get super restless super frequently. So yes. yeah, <laughs> it's a personality trait, really. Yes. No, I love it. No, it was funny because I was looking at the pictures and I was like, our apartment on one hand looks so small, which I know it was because we had that scarf that was <laughs> the apartment. But they really also- should put that like in the description of renting out that unit. Like yes. if you're looking for exact <laughs> dimensions of this rental unit, please know two girls in their early 20s once measured it with a scarf. <laughs> yeah. Perfectly. The, it fit the scarf perfectly. It did. It was so weird. But at the same time, I feel like we packed so much in there, but it so didn't much. look cluttered. So like that's the thing to me. It's like it looked yeah. so small and was so small. But it also, like, I don't know if it's just because we're so talented or what, but... That's definitely it. (laughs) Totally. But, like, I used to have people over there in other years because I lived there for years. Yeah, you stayed there. And um, I would have people over from work, from camp or other jobs. And we'd have, like, 10 people sometimes if it was raining, like, packed in there, like, practically sitting on each other. And it was fine. But it definitely... A lot of life happened in those, you know, five years that I lived in that little space. But... That's not what we're here to talk about today. (laughs) That was just a side note that I was like realizing. Anyways, so as far as um, you, like you said, you decided to find jobs um, in different places. So what made you decide besides the fact that you're a generally restless person to find (laughs) jobs like outside New England? So it, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I want to work everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, The starting point was first off, as a kid, I was super, super lucky. Um, My parents, especially my mom, we traveled a lot. Like she made that kind of a priority for us. Um, And so, I mean, when you're a kid and you're traveling with your family, you don't, you maybe don't think so much of it. Um, I definitely did because the trips that we were going on were bigger trips or they were further away. Um, And then by the time I turned like 16, 17, I went on a big backpacking trip we kind of did like the stereotypical my child's just about to graduate high school they need to go backpacking through central europe um (laughs) (laughs) it was a very stereotypical trip um but it lasted about three three and a half weeks and i kind of came back from that finished my i did my whole senior year of high school graduated and I mean, obviously when your parents are booking vacations or are trying to figure out where to go as a family, whether it's camping or on a plane or to Disney World, obviously they're making the decisions, but they're also paying the bills. Mm-hmm. So I turned 18 and was like, oh, where am I going to go next? And it's like, oh no, I'm the one buying the plane ticket. Like I'm the one who has to pay your way through this. So working overseas was kind of just a an eventual effect of, oh, I have to somehow survive (laughs) overseas. Um, I knew that I wanted to go places that I had never been before. Um, I kind of had a wish list and it was, what's the most cost-effective way that I can do this? Um, how How can I go to these places and not be an absolute tourist? And, you know, how can I afford it? And I don't know where it came from, um, 
but somebody turned, I think it, it might've just been a Google search, like long-term travel overseas for student early twenties. Um, and I found Workaway and Workaway was, I think the first uh, website, uh, travel agency, I don't know, temp, temp agency really. Um, first resource that I used and as I've recommended to literally everybody, it was find, you know, temporary work stays. Uh, it's, like, it's like a work trade agreement and they have countries all over the world. You can look in the US, you can look in the UK, you can look in Canada, you can look everywhere. And it's, hey, this person is, they run a, a pub and a hotel and they need somebody to just change the sheets and do the washing and maybe pull a pint in the evening. And in exchange of doing those things, the standard was like five hours a day, five days a week. So for 25 hours of labor doing whatever, hey, you get to sleep under our roof on a bed, usually. I've definitely done a work away where I slept in a hammock. But you get housing, we'll feed you in some way, you will receive sustenance, and you get to be in this place. And we're a host, so we're going to show you around. Like maybe we'll take you on a day trip or we'll you know, provide you with a car or a bike to get into town to see your surrounding area. Um, and like the very first work away I did was Puerto Rico. Um, I was, gosh, what year was that? I don't totally know. Um, I did, I think three months. I got there the first week of November and I stayed in this, the, the host was a hostel. It was a youth hostel on the Eastern coast of Puerto Rico in the town of Fajardo, which is like a border town. If you've ever gone from Puerto Rico to the British Virgin Islands, um, you will have had to sail in and out of Fajardo. And I'm definitely mispronouncing that or I'm not saying it with the accent that it deserves. So I apologize, I do not speak Spanish. Um, yeah, I was, I was working at this youth hostel. I was there from November to like right around Valentine's Day, a few months. I spent both Thanksgiving and Christmas there. And it was, hey, wake up. Maybe you're working the desk today. Maybe you are cleaning. Maybe your job today is just cleaning. Um, maybe you're making breakfast for the folks that are coming in from the BVI and then are catching a taxi or a shuttle to San Juan to fly out or to go anyplace else. Um, maybe you're tending the bar downstairs that was not a bar. It was a room with a bar-shaped piece of furniture and we served beer over it. We probably shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> Very important. But it was, come on down, do this, stay for a few months, and then go on to the next place. And some people do work away for like a week. Like some people will find a host placement and do it for a week and move on. And it's just their way of like not spending money for a week, but still having a place to crash while moving on to their next location. Um, I did mainly really long workaways. I was kind of a, not an anomaly, but I did, the first one was PR. That was three months. Um, from there, I came back to the US, um, was working again. And then I did, gosh, I was living here in the seacoast. And then I did work away again. This, this next big trip um, was, I'd been working here for a while, you know, earning a paycheck. I I don't think I had health insurance at the time, um, but was earning a paycheck, was also not doing great mentally. 
and was like, hey, hard reset. Let's do something, anything. Let's go somewhere. And went back on work away, decided to make it a big thing. And was like, let's go further. And I ended up in uh, Fife, which is like Eastern Scotland, right in the middle, maybe, I don't know, two hours out of Edinburgh. Um, if you're familiar with the story of Will and Kate, uh, I was in a town, <laughs> I was in a town maybe half an hour outside of St. Andrews, uh, the town oh. of St. Andrews, which obviously hosts the college St. Andrews, um, that Will and Kate met at. So I was over there for, again, I left in November. Don't know what it is with November departures. <laughs> I was working at the northernmost chili farm, um, which sounds like a, like a joke. Like if you were like, yeah, no, I was working on a chili farm in Scotland. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did. I did that. It was really, really cool. Um, it was a shorter term stay uh, for me anyways. It was about three weeks had the time of my life. It was so great. Um, it's, it's interesting when you're, when you're on workway, it's kind of like, oh, this host is a pub. This host is a hostel. This host is a mom with six kids that just needs an extra hand. Um, and maybe when I was at the hostel, there were days where we were super, super slow, super empty, so I could sleep in a bunk bed. If we were super, super packed, which we were like directly around the holidays, I was on a, I was in a hammock on the roof, which was great. Um, when I was in Fife in Scotland, um, I was in like a camper caravan um, across a glen far, a little bit further away from the farmhouse. And that was where I stayed for three weeks. I loved it. Um, and from there, obviously in terms of work trade, there's, I was kind of searching online. Like when I flew from, from Boston to Scotland, um, I really didn't have a plan, which I know, you know me, shocker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's so well thought out. Um, I flew over there and kind of had November planned. I had a place to go in December, but past December, like past New Year's Eve, not a clue which is so dangerous. <laughs> um, but I went from Scotland to a beautiful old, like, um, stone, not mansion, manor. I'll call it a manor, uh, down in Cornwall, which is kind of on the southwestern coast, but not really, it's not like the Moors or anything like that. Um, for this big family, that had a huge, they had family. One of their sons had married an American. One of their sons was up north in Scotland. But grandma and grandpa lived in this big house in Cornwall and everybody was coming for Christmas. And it was so many little kids. And we just need somebody to be here and you know maybe do the laundry, entertain the kids. And if you could make some mince pies for us, like make some Christmas desserts. Um, in exchange, you can hang out in this house for a month. It was the most beautiful house I've ever been in. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we live on the English coast. So when you're not busy doing anything, like, get out, see Cornwall. And I would go for these walks along the English coastline. I spent Christmas Day in a T-shirt by the beach. Um, and then from there, didn't have a good work away. Like, I didn't 
that's not where I went for the next one. I went to opair.com, which is was my official kind of introduction into au pairing and kinder care and things like that. Um, and from there, I went to Germany. So, yeah. That's awesome. I think I might have video chatted with you when you, you were did. in that big house. I'm pretty sure that's what, where it was. What did you do on the chili farm? I don't remember you ever telling me about that before. Yeah. So it was, it was November. Um, so the harvest was, had kind of finished. They had finished the harvest in like, I don't know, it gets cold there really easy. So they did have greenhouses where they grew the peppers, but harvest had finished in September and everything had dried throughout October then it was up to like processing time, which was like the grinding of the chilies into powder. Um, so I did do that, which led to one of the more amusing photos I took on the trip. Um, they grew Cal- Carolina Reaper peppers, Ooh. which are so hot. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it like, I mean, if you're eating them, obviously they're hot. If you're touching them and you're processing them for like packaging or shipping, they're hot. What I was doing was they had been dried. Now it was up to me to grind them to a powder, measure them out for packaging, and list them online. Um, When you're grinding peppers into really, really fine powder, uh, I wore a gas mask. I was just going to say. I think I sent you it. Gas mask. Yes. (laughs) For when we were chopping onions. (laughs) Yes. It would have been useful. It would have been. Um, so I would, I would process the peppers, uh, for shipment. They had a little farm store. Um, so there were days where I would work the farm store, which was super fun because people would come from all over and be like, Oh, Reginald, it's this cute little town in Scotland. And they'd come into the farm stand and it would be me behind the counter, (laughs) which was so funny. And they're like, what, what are you doing here? I'm just like, I'm just here for a good time really. Um, but the, the cooler things I did for them was, yes, I worked the cancer. Yes, I processed the peppers. But they also made chocolate bars. They made, like, chili chocolate. So me and Stacy, who lived on the farm, who she was part of the owners, um, we would make these chili chocolate bars. And we would make, like, chili mango chutney. And we would do – it was so cool to, like – make these treats and it was it was very fun I think I definitely still have some of the recipes um we would then go to I mean it's it's Christmas time so there are craft fairs like there are food fairs um like there are around here and we would go we would drive across eastern Scotland and go to these food and craft fairs for Christmas and I got to sell all these treats and it was really amusing for like Christmas memories because there were fireworks and there were all these Christmas lights. It was fun. That's it was a sounds, really good time. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So you said you went on to Germany as well, but what mm-hmm. was your like favorite place to work? Um, did you have mm-hmm. one? I did. I, I did. I mean, so I, I did go to Germany. I was in Austria for a bit. And then I went back to Scotland, but I didn't go back to the same place. I went to the Northern Highlands. Um, there was this hotel in this pub, which is why one of my examples is like, maybe they own a pub. <laughs> um, I lived in this, they, they owned a pub and a hotel. And most of what I did was like housekeeping. 
um, doing the sheets. They knew I could cook or I could bank, bake well enough. So I made some of the desserts for the pub. Um, they never really put me behind bar because the first week I got there, they were like, can you pull a pint of Guinness? And I was like, no, <laughs> I will foam it. Please don't trust me behind your bar. Mm -hmm. um, so they mainly kept me in the kitchen or hanging out with the kids. And it was springtime. It was, I think I got there, I don't know, May, maybe like late April, May. And I didn't come back to the U.S. until June. Um, and just that family was so nice. And they're two little kids that I just fell in love with who were just like the redheaded Scottish ragamuffins <laughs> of everybody's stereotype. They were so cute. Um, and it was just, it was really fun. Um, and they live right next to a train station, which is great. Cause I mean, talk about like you're traveling somewhere and then you don't know how to get where you're going. And it was, I got off the train and could see the hotel. So it was great. Um, they lived across the street from a castle. Ooh. Um, it was so cool. And, and in Scotland, um, there is right to trespass, which is kind of like no private property, which really sounds like a foreign concept over here, but it's here where you can like own a ton of land and you can fence it off. Um, over in the UK, there's, it's right to trespass. You have right to roam, I guess is the nicer way of saying it. Um, so even though the castle was privately owned, you know, some, I have some rich guy. I don't think anybody really knew who it was, but they were all like, yeah, we're waiting for him to reopen it to the public. And it sounded like it wasn't going to happen. Um, this, this guy had bought the castle and even though the castle itself was, was private and was locked up and you couldn't go inside, um, all of the land around the castle you could walk on. Um, so when I wasn't working, yes, I was going on little trips here and there. I went to Inverness on one day. I went to Durness, which is like the very northern coast. I was doing all these little trips around the eastern highlands. Um, but if I wasn't traveling anywhere, I was in the woods. <laughs> I did a lot of hiking. And hiking in and around those castle grounds was so cool. Um, it was so, so cool. It was also one of my favorite little stories. Uh, because though the castle has a name, everybody calls it the Castle of Spite. Um, because this very wealthy couple in the early 1900s owned this. And they got divorced. And she got the castle. But his family owned the railway that went past the castle. <laughs> so I kid you not. This woman was like, it's, well, it's mine. I'm going to live here. I'm going to have to drive up. But I live in this castle. There's a clock tower on the top of the, at the top, the peak of the castle and among all the little turrets, there's a clock tower and there is a clock there. Obviously there's four sides to a clock tower. Only four or only three of those sides has a clock face. And the side that does not have a clock face is the side that faces the railway. <laughs> because when he and his family, her ex-in-laws, rode on the train past that castle that she got in the divorce she didn't want to give them the time of day <gasps> can you imagine is, i i love so it fantastic it's so petty i love it it's so petty it was <laughs> it was so cool it was so cool like they told me the story and i was like no that's not real 
And they got deeper into it when they, so she got the castle. She also got like a boatload of money. Um, she started redoing and like retrofitting and you know revamping and renovating the castle. Um, his, the house that he stayed in, she started comparing it to that one, to her ex-husband's. Uh, the castle has one more door, one more window, one more turret, like one more statue. Like everything that he had in his house, she has one more of. And I just, I love that. And it was, it was this great ghost story and great just local interest story that I just, I loved. So I think that the Eastern Highlands, the, the pub up north was probably my favorite because I think I had the most fun. I think my mental health was also a lot better at this time, which is probably why I remember it more fondly. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, up north, up north in Scotland was probably my favorite. I mean, I had great experiences everywhere, um, but best host, my favorite host. I've loved them all, but I think I had the most fun up there. That's awesome. Do you stay in touch with any of them? I do. Um, the So the, the family that I paired with in Germany, those little boys get Christmas presents they're so cute. They are also, one of them is now taller than me, which oh my. Oh, he was so little. <laughs> um, and then the, the chili farm, uh, they invited me back to a family wedding. <laughs> I wasn't able to go, but I've been sending that we send each other postcards. Um, and then the family in Scotland, we, we talk on Facebook. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And would you move back to any of those places? Do you think? Yes. Yes. Um, I'd go back to Northern Scotland kind of in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Like if, if some Scotsman was like, Hey, I need a wife. <laughs> I'd go, <laughs> let's be honest. If I had met somebody there and they'd been like, marry me, like, love me, stay here with me. I would have, <laughs> I wouldn't be here. Um, and then I think parts of Germany and Austria, Western Austria, especially, I would need to massively brush up on my German. But I think I'd go back there to work. I don't know if I'd build a home there permanently. Mm-hmm. And besides, like, room and board and, um, like, being able to travel and not work a huge amount, mm-hmm. were there any other perks to these jobs? Um, so, well, when I worked as an au pair, it was specifically in Germany anyways. That family paid me a stipend. So I, I did receive a small amount of cash a week. Um, fun fact, the first time they paid me, they, the mom and the dad, they sat me down and they gave me an envelope and they were like, please, like, we know tomorrow's your day off, like, but please come back. And apparently <laughs> au pairs previously had been paid. And once they had the cash in their hands, they just left. That's terrible. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. And I had to be like, it must have looked fake. <laughs> when they were like, please don't leave. And I was like, what? You can do that? It it never occurred to me. Like, yeah, it was. So they they did pay me um, in lots of other places. Like when I was in down in um, outside of St. Andrews, the, the dad who was so kind was like a massive local history buff. He took me on little day trips. We would, if he had a day off, he'd be like, hop in the car. We're going to Dundee. And... I would go to like maritime museums with him, which was so cool. Um, 
And obviously the family up north, like they took me tons of places. They fed, like you, you, you get fed, you get housed, you meet people. I met some of the coolest people in the world. Um, and yeah, no, it was a great, it was a great time. I don't, there's definitely some stuff that I wouldn't do again, but it was a blast. It sounds like it. What were some of like the biggest culture shock things um, that you experienced? I know you said that you had been outside of the U.S. before, but obviously working and living there is a little bit different than just traveling. Um, I guess like little things, maybe this is going to sound strange, but like public behavior Um, in in the U.S., like if you're on a bus or if you're like on the subway, if you're riding the T down in Boston, you might catch eye contact with somebody accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least here anyways, you smile and you look away. Or you just, you do a little like, <laughs> hi, and then you you look away. Or you'll meet somebody's eyes on the street while walking and you smile. Um, you don't do that anywhere else. <laughs> uh, you look at the floor and in Germany, especially. So when I was over there, first off, big culture shock. I didn't speak German when I moved there. Um, I was put in like an intensive German language program across the border in Salzburg in Austria. So one, didn't speak the language. Two, didn't, I mean, people make stereotype, stereotypical comments about Germans. Like they're cold, they're unfriendly. They don't like to talk. Um, they're just reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time I met somebody over there, I, it was really funny. I was learning Austrian German, um, which can be, I kind of think about like Southern Germany, and Northern Germany of um, like the New England versus the American South. Mm-hmm. Like very friendly and warm down here. And what can I get you for dinner? And New England is like, you're an idiot. Please get out of my way. On the <laughs> um, it's kind we're of not that. all like that. Okay, we're not. Yes, we're not. I know. I know but what you're saying. <laughs> you get it. Yes. Um, but for those of the people that don't know us, you're giving us a bad name. I, I just. <laughs> I know. I know exactly I know. what It's bad. <laughs> um, but the first time I said hello to somebody over there in my very. Austrian German, which was super friendly and a little more like religious tinned, I guess, um, mm-hmm. because a lot of Catholicism down there. Um, it was, it, it'd be like greeting somebody and saying like, oh, God bless you. How are you today? Um, I it was Grüßgott, which is how you say like, I don't know the direct translation, but I said it to somebody and they like stopped and looked at me and they're like, what are you on like calm down (laughs) um like chill out um but it was you know they're very efficient there which is also a stereotype but it it is an accurate one they're efficient I mean don't waste their time you don't have to be overly friendly you don't have to explain everything just like get to the point let's let's move on um the best example of that was my host mother was Polish warm and friendly and very like physical touch was a thing uh host father was from berlin berlin and not very not cold very professional would hug his kids and kiss his wife all day long wouldn't like he's not one to shake hands 
And the day I left Germany, I was like in the Munich airport. I was really sick. Um, I had a horrible sinus infection. He was loading me onto this plane and I had like asked him for a hug. And cause I hadn't hugged anybody other than like the little kids. Um, and he was so thrown off by it. Um, so I guess like you don't realize until you miss it, like physical touch. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Germany, the, I guess public behavior was, was really hard for me to get used to or not hard, but just different. Um, past that, maybe not much, maybe not much. Um, when I was in Puerto Rico, I didn't speak Spanish, which was the dumbest thing I could have ever done. (laughs) But, um, not, not really much in terms of other culture shock. I was pretty, not choosy about where I went, but obviously, I went to England and I went to Scotland and um, obviously those are places that speak English. Yes, the vernacular is different, but not hugely different. Um, But yeah, Germany was a culture shock, but that's just because it was, I was living there. I didn't totally speak the language and different ways of living, I guess. But it's also, if you grew up in, I don't know, North Conway, New Hampshire. And one day you move down to, I don't know, New Orleans. Like it's a different, or like deep Alabama. Like (laughs) it's a different type of living. I mean, people make jokes about like West Coast versus East Coast. Like it's kind of like that. Gotcha. That makes makes complete sense. So did you learn any other language um, besides the German? Not really. Nothing that I didn't already know. Mm-hmm. It was in, in Puerto Rico, I really didn't make any attempt. I knew like, hi, how are you? Where's the bathroom? Can I have a beer, please? I knew that Spanish, <laughs> um, which was a really a bad thing. It was a dumb thing to do. I really should have learned more. Um, other than the German, no. And then certainly not in terms of I'm going to enroll in classes and study and do homework to learn this language. It was, it was just German. Gotcha. And do you still like remember what you learned now, like to carry a conversation or would you not remember much of anything? I think it's slowly fading out every now and then. um, Like I could talk to a kid. Um, obviously, obviously when you're, when you're hanging out with kids all day, I hung out with these two little boys all day. Um, we would, you know, walk to and from the bus, I would take them to ski practice. It was when you're hanging out with little kids, they listen to German kids music. They watch German TV show. Um, so I knew, obviously you pick up the kids style of language a lot faster. I could talk to a toddler. In German, I know like the niceties, like, hey, how are you? Um, the weather today is horrible. Can you like show me how to get to the dentist? Um, I can sing a few songs in German. Um, and if like if there's if there's a show on TV that's in German, I can listen along and like largely sparse together what's going on without subtitles. Um, I wish I had kept up more. <laughs> probably like a good a good goal for me I used to be able to read in it oh how yeah. fancy yeah that was a point of pride <laughs> but it's gone now <laughs> no that's I didn't take like 
a second language as far as like speaking in high school, but I did do sign language and I can kind of pick up on it. Like if I see it in certain shows, I might not necessarily have to read the subtitles and I can still remember certain signs. But if I were to meet a deaf person, I'd probably have to finger spell most everything and probably annoy the heck out of them because they'd be like, oh, my gosh, I have to read all these letters. But I guess that's more than some people. Some people can't even do that. So, yeah, I think sign language is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's something that really should be like when I was in high school, it was French and Spanish. And those were the two languages that we could choose from. I really think that ASL should be in like an option to choose in schools. Yeah, I so. I am glad that I was able to do that being homeschooled. Um, and had that experience but I know that you're back in New England so Mm -hmm. what brought you back and I can't remember when you moved back was it a couple years ago it was um so I came after I like got back to the U.S. after I finished up that big backpacking trip um one I was out of money so I had to come back (laughs) (laughs) um main reason really uh two I like if you got it you got to get a job Um, And you can't, unless you have, unless you're sponsored by an employer, which I wasn't, uh, you can't, you got to go, like immigration is going to come for you. Um, So I had to come back. I did get a job here in in New England. Um, I've moved around New England a little bit. You know, I did briefly rejoin like the summer camp community, which was super fun. Um, I've worked in a few different places, mainly in hospitality. Um, but I've been down here now for three years. I came down to kind of Southern, Southern New Hampshire, uh, during COVID for quarantine. And I just never left. Do you miss traveling? Like, would you want to do like fun trips or other things in the future? Do you have anything planned? Um, I definitely miss it. I don't know that I could pack up. (laughs) And well, one, I own too much stuff now. (laughs) Um, For a while there, I owned everything I owned could fit in like a big duffel bag, uh, which I thought was like a huge point of pride. But now it's like, girl, no, you need to have (laughs) a certain amount of stuff. Like you can't live off of one pair of jeans anymore. Um, I have too much stuff to do that now. But I don't think I could do another big several month year or longer backpacking trip again, not without experience extensive planning Mm -hmm. um I don't know that I'd be able to just pack up and leave anymore without a plan like because I was able to go and I had like two three months roughly planned out but past that I had not a clue I didn't have a return ticket booked I didn't have health insurance at the time I didn't have travel insurance at the time oh geez oh yeah (laughs) it's living on the edge it was a miracle um honestly that I didn't get seriously sick or hurt um, I, I definitely, like, I do travel still. Um, I've been on a bunch of smaller vacations. Um, I don't do as much, oh, hey, I have a three-day weekend. Let's fly. Although I, I want to. I'd love to. Um, it's, I've done, I, like, I've gone back to, I went back to England for New Year's Eve uh, for 20, 2020, New Year's 2020, going into 2020, of course, nobody did anything for the next year after that. Um, I flew to London for New Year's for like 
36 hours, met up with some friends, which was so great. Um, and I've done smaller trips always within the U.S. since then. Um, I do have kind of a hesitant, not a hesitant, but it's not fully formed, uh, trip to Amsterdam planned. And, but that probably won't happen for at least a good six months, mm -hmm. but it's purely a, I want to drink coffee and look at art and walk along canals. That's all I, and I want to see a tulip. Um, do you watch Ted Lasso? I don't have the streaming <sighs> service it is on. Otherwise I would because <sighs> everything I've seen looks so good. It's so good. They go to Amsterdam in one of the, the, the final season, they go to Amsterdam for a trip and one of the characters, Danny Rojas, is just like, I just want to see a tulip. Just let <laughs> me see one tulip. Um, so I'm like, let's go to Amsterdam. I want to drink coffee and look at windmills. And I want to see one tulip. <laughs> um, so Amsterdam is like next on my list. I'd really love to go back to Iceland and like really, really see Iceland. Um, and then I really want to go to Norway in the winter, which sounds like insanity to most people but i want to see the northern lights and i want to see them in the wintertime. northern so, yeah. lights is on my one of my big bucket oh, lists they keep saying that we're gonna see them here i want to say a few weeks ago it was like hey new englanders aurora borealis will be viewable from 215 to 222 this morning <laughs> and i'm like great i'm gonna be asleep also <laughs> i think this is back in june it rained for the entirety of June, nobody saw anything. I know. I was so sad. Because so disappointed. When I was back on the water, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able, to, you know, take some tea or whatever and go down yeah. on the dock and like look at the stars because that's like the best when you look up oh. at the sky and there's just stars and there's nothing and there's water. And I love doing that at the apartment when you and I lived there. And even oh, when, that was, I was so just, cool. It was, it was so amazing, and I was looking forward to it this year. But every single time I had like the motivation and like, oh, I'm going to do this. It was raining. It was. And I was like, oh. or it was cloudy. And I was like, I can't see a thing. So never mind. We were dealt the worst weather this summer. <laughs> yes. Somehow I still got a decent tan. Don't know exactly how. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as um, the traveling and everything, what would your advice be to people who want to like, travel and work outside the U.S. and like whether they do it for a month or a year or whatever but what would be your biggest advice to people um one buy travel insurance <laughs> um it's it's so one it's great like don't please don't be afraid to do it I was like I had a, a bottle of mucinex and a prayer when I left <laughs> um <laughs> I, I would really recommend doing so much research. Um, if you're going to be sponsored by a company, awesome. That's like a built-in support system over there because you have kind of a home base of an office. Um, reach, if you're going to do au pairing, uh, there are so many au pair groups on Facebook. I think I still belong to like three or four of them. Um, in any given city in the world, there are au pairs from another place. So when I was in Germany, like reach out, find the, find your, your team, your community. When I was in Germany, I joined a Facebook group for, I think it was like foreign au pairs inside Deutschland. 
And there was a group of like 12 of us within a five mile radius. And we got together for coffee every, I think every other week. Um, so especially if you're traveling alone, look, you're traveling alone. It's an anxiety ridden process, but you're not really alone. I mean, there's groups everywhere. Like you like spin cycle here. You're probably going to like spin cycle in the UK, like find a place to be. Um, do you, if you're going to stay with a host, like a private host, um, interview them beforehand, uh, do a Skype call. It was, it was, we still did Skype, like Zoom wasn't around. Um, I Skyped with my family in Germany before I met them um, in person. I think I Skyped with them three times uh, because obviously there were kids involved and the kids have to like you. Uh, interview them. You know, they want to ask, your hosts are going to want to ask you questions to make sure that you're the right fit for them. Hey, you're going to be staying in these people's properties. Like you're going to be sleeping in their guest bedroom you want to know that they're not psychotic. <laughs> like, exactly. do, yeah, do your research. Um, really have, this sounds kind of uh, contradictive to everything I've said, have a stash of money. Um, I left with, I don't know, like maybe 16 or 18 grand. Um, and obviously I whittled that down to like 50 bucks upon my return. <laughs> but like, have some money in case of emergencies, have at least enough. The, the My main rule was I had to have at least enough to fly back from, my goal was like Eastern Europe to Boston. I had to have enough money to cross the Atlantic. Um, that was always, sorry, I'm dropping something, always the amount that I had to have. And then like while you're physically traveling, one, don't drink before you're going to fly. It won't go well. Two, if you're a girl, like I was a woman in my early, tw early 20s um, when I did all this, um, don't be stupid. It's, <laughs> that sounds like such a joke, but like, please be aware of your surroundings. And it's not, I'm not throwing like, Germany's so dangerous. Puerto Rico's so dangerous. Scotland, so, Scotland's not really dangerous, but <laughs> it's, all of these places have the same kind of people that live here. Mm -hmm. So all of these places are no more or less dangerous than your own hometown. And think of the idiots that live in your own hometown. Um, so just be safe. Don't walk around flashing dollar bills or wearing your most expensive watch. Um, if you're going someplace that's, you know, a big city, you know, wear comfortable shoes. You're going to be walking a ton and you might have to run away from a mugger, which I did have to do. It's like, you just, you want to be safe, but you also want to be comfortable. You don't want to be so anxious that you're scared to do anything. Um, and if you've got a travel partner, like just be on the same page because I've never met two people that travel in the same way. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And <laughs> There's when, so when I looked at traveling, I did, I mentioned Workaway, which I love. Um, I mentioned AuPair.com, which is great. I've aged out of AuPairing, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at a certain point, they're like, why are you doing this? Um, but there's also Woofing, which is really cool if you're more into farming, you know, getting your hands dirty, learning about agriculture. Um, woofing is the worldwide opportunity on organic farms kind of network system so so cool um 
I would have thought it had something to do with animals. Right, (laughs) right. The first time somebody was like, are you on woof? Like, have you looked at woofing at all? And I was like, no. (laughs) It sounded like such a weird thing. Woofing is really cool. I met a lot of people who, especially at the youth hostel in Puerto Rico, they were like, yeah, no, we're just, this is how we're getting around. We're just going from farm to farm. Um, And it was, it's a super interesting way to do it. So, I mean, if you're looking to work long-term overseas permanently or in a very stable way, you know, think about where you're working now. Like, is that something that can translate overseas? Does your company have overseas offices? My company currently doesn't, but like if they did, I would 100% be signing up to work over there. Um, If that's not your gig, if you're looking for short-term part-time, you know, maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's, maybe you're on summer break from college and you have eight weeks and you don't know what you want to do, but you know that you want to get out of your hometown, like look at work away. You could do literally anything. There is a, I kid you not, it is in Norway. I interviewed with them twice and it was just the wrong time. They had like, I think four volunteers already and they just couldn't like stretch the barn. They couldn't add a bed. Um, it was a, oh God, a sled dogging family that had, it was insane. They had sled dogs and they were like, yeah, no, we live in, we live in Norway. Like we have this big property that we farm when there's not snow on the ground, but Hey, when there's snow on the ground, the only way to get around our property is by sled with dogs. And I, it was so cool. Um, so like, I worked on a chili farm. I worked in a pub. I, you know, did laundry. I worked at a youth hostel and tended bar, which was just like watered down margaritas. But like, you can also work on a sled dog farm. You can teach music at a commune out in California. It's the hosts that I've seen on Workway are, this totally sounds like a sponsored ad for them. Um, (laughs) You could do literally anything um, so, and you can, people are looking for three days worth of help through people are looking for nine months worth of help. Like it's, that's a really great way to do it. Um, and then also if you're not looking to work, I mean, travel, people will pick up and travel and you, you got to pay some steeper fines that way. Cause you're paying for a hotel room, but Yeah. I love it. Is there any (laughs) other things that you would want to add that I may not have made a point to bring up or ask? I don't think so. Actually, you feature in one of my favorite memories from traveling. I don't know if you remember this. I have no idea what time it was for you. Do you remember me calling you about a boy? I vaguely remember it, but I honestly would have put it together with the other time that I Skyped because that was what we did back then. Yeah. Um, when you, when you <laughs> like face- FaceTime wasn't even a thing. <laughs> I know. I saw a TikTok yesterday, which is so off topic, but anyways, where this person was explaining to their daughter's boyfriend that they used to have to pause TV and they couldn't pause TV and they couldn't fast forward and they had to like take super quick showers 
or do in between commercial breaks on commercial breaks <gasps> and the kid was like what you oh, couldn't yeah. pause it you couldn't fast forward you had to no. watch commercials and I'm like there was oh, no my higher <laughs> there was no higher adrenaline rush you could achieve than waiting like having to go to the bathroom or having to refill your drink or having to like go get the popcorn out of the microwave than when your movie hit commercial break and your sibling just goes run and you just <laughs> you dash through the house and then all you're hoping is to just leap over the couch and land back on the cushions by the time the movie starts again yep. like do you remember that it was yes oh, and then you just insane. felt so cool when you did it Anyways, oh yeah back to your memory <laughs> I completely um so this story it was this is one of my fonder stories it's also like one of the most stereotypical travel stories because when specifically women when women come back from traveling abroad like from my from my gap year um when girls go on backpacking trips they fall in love at some point um always and it's it's always with a complete stranger and his eyes just sparkled in the moonlight yo this happened to me um i was in i had left germany i had, I had left germany and I was on like a four or five day, I was going to go back up north to Scotland. And I decided to hang out in London for a few extra days. Uh, the girl who replaced me is au pair. She was from Poland. She was like, hey, I have a friend in London. Like, meet up, go out to dinner. Like, she doesn't know anybody and she's about to go join a family. Like, go have fun. Like, tell her that it's okay. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Um, and I booked a hotel. I think I was there for four or five days. It was one of the more expensive, like mid stops that I did. And I did a day to myself. I think I did two days. I did a bunch of museums and then I went out for dinner and met her friend at Covent Garden in London and which is a really cool place. Everybody should go. And we, we met up and she had a bunch of people with her and she was, I was staying at a hotel in off of Queensborough Terrace and she was at a youth hostel, like half a street away. Like we didn't realize it until we met for dinner, but like you could throw a rock from my hotel and hit where she was staying. And so she was staying at a hostel and a bunch of them were like, we don't have any plans. Like, let's all go out to dinner. And among one of those people that was with her was this guy from uh, Quebec <laughs> in Canada. And I was like, yo, like I came over here from New England. Like he named off his town. And I was like, that is not far from where I went to high school. And we just kind of gravitated to each other that night. Um, like we went out for dinner. We did a bunch of walking. Um, it was super fun. Like a bunch of people from the hostel like hadn't seen London Bridge before. And I was like, yo, I know the way. Um, so we just hung out for, I think, a few hours. And then we all exchanged numbers and he texted me the next morning. I was like, hey, I really want to spend more time with you. Let's hang out. We spent the entire day together and like we went out for dinner. We went to a pub. I think I had tickets to a play. Yeah. What did I see? I think I saw the mousetrap and we, we went and it was great. And we, I got, he was flying out the next, he was flying out the next afternoon, and, but I was catching a really early train up north um, to Inverness. So I was exhausted, but I was so gone on this man. Um, he, 
kiss me goodnight <laughs> outside the hotel. I went upstairs. I think I still had my coat on. And I was like, I have to speak to Abigail. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. It's coming back to me that it was not the same Skype call. Okay. Yes. I it was. Remember this. I got upstairs and I think I like, I picked up my phone and I hit boil on the kettle and called you. And I was like, I don't even care what time it is. We have to talk. <laughs> and I just, I had to talk about <laughs> It was, I can, I can remember it. Like the tea, I, I was on the phone with you and I was like, you'll never believe this. Um, <laughs> and you were like, uh-huh, cool. <laughs> like, what are you going to do now? And I was like, I don't know. I'll never see him again. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I remember you being like, so are you going to like, are you going to talk? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. And it was like one o'clock in the morning for me, which means it was like, I don't know, eight o'clock for you. Like you were like, I have to go to bed at some point. And I was like, beds for idiots. I'm in love. <laughs> I remember this so fondly. Um, I'm so I glad did. I could be a part of this important memory. <laughs> you, you really were. And it's so funny to me because when I think about like, periods of my life it's often like where I was at the time you are so deeply ingrained in that trip for me. <laughs> I feel so honored <laughs> but yeah that's just like one of my favorite memories and you were like let's talk about traveling and working overseas and I was like I have a tangent for us <laughs> so yeah. I I Love it. I appreciate you sharing that. I didn't realize that I had such, you know, important hold of this memory. So that's great. I love it. I have so many memories of us living together. Yeah. Uh, like going to McDonald's at three in the morning just because. Because, because we could. <laughs> because we were adults and we could. Adults can do anything. What are we going to do? The weirdest thing you can imagine. Yep. Or get cake or go to movies at you know midnight and just randomly like we're just gonna go to the movies we what did we buy a, we don't we bought a lot of a random cake we also yeah. left a lot of movies i feel like we went to movies and then 10 minutes what was that one that we watched angry that we got Bird? like no it wasn't angry birds free was Bird. it the yeah the turkey movie <laughs> yes. brian and i watched that he made me watch it a couple years ago he's like oh this doesn't look that bad i'm like you're was, like no it was it's... terrible we watched it's so it. stupid. We got to the end, and I was like, "This didn't get any better. It got even worse." <laughs> we went. We it was a double feature, right? Like we saw something else, and then we were like, "Let's go!" Yes. And we got like twenty minutes into that movie, and we were like, "This is so dumb." And we just it was. I think it's the first time I've ever left a movie yes. for anything other than like, "Oh, this is so scary. I'm not going to make it through." It was so bad. <laughs> It's very comforting to know that you watched it years later and it was still bad. Yeah, no, it was, it ended worse. It like, it had no good part. It just got, continued to get worse. And I'm like, I'm so glad we left. Like this was, it just was not worth it. <laughs> not worth the money. Anyways, um, I really appreciate you coming and talking to me today about traveling and all the other random things that we've thrown in there. You know, you're welcome listeners. This is, this is how we roll here. And yeah, really, this is this is quality time spent. <laughs> People are probably like, they are not good at staying on topic, but that's okay. That's okay. You feel like you're, you know, just pull up a chair and like 
drink some tea or coffee and just pretend that you're like listening to some friends chat like that's what you're doing so you know yeah anyways but where can people find you oh they can't um (laughs) (laughs) please don't um I do so I I'm really not on Facebook uh you can find me on Instagram really Unless you want to find me on Ravelry. I run a thriving account on Ravelry.com. What even um, is that? <laughs> it's like a knitter's website. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. All right. Yeah. I won't be joining that, but that's nice of you. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram as uh, Mountain and Crown. Uh, it, it's really not much. It's kind of just like a personal blog. There's a ton of really awesome travel photos on there, though. Um, some really great travel photos. I'm pretty proud of them, if I do say so myself. Um, and I guess that's really, really it for me in terms of social networks. I'm on Tumblr, but my Tumblr username is between me and my God. So, <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> and... As always, because um, the podcast is called Beautiful Legacy, I like Mm -hmm. to ask, what kind of legacy do you want to leave and why? Um, I used to really want to be incredibly important. Like, um, Like, not that I wanted to be famous, but I wanted to be remembered for something hugely significant um and it was because do you remember did you ever watch sisterhood of the traveling pants i'm pretty sure we watched it together i think we did there's a scene in the second one um or and this like really stuck in my head where one of the characters is talking to bridget she's in turkey on an archaeological dig and she's like so when do you really consider someone to be dead like when do you consider someone to be truly gone from from this earth from this life and Bridget's answer was like I think it's when everybody who knows them is gone like when there's no one left on the planet that remembers you this is also eerily similar to the plot of the Pixar film Coco um when there's nobody around that remembers you um what kind of what kind of legacy do you leave and it used to be I really wanted to be remembered for something important I just want to be remembered fondly, I think. Um, I know that for a lot of people, it's like, Annie, she was chaos. She came into our life for three weeks and was absolutely nuts, and then she left. Or, hey, I worked with her for a season at this resort or this summer camp or this ski mountain, and she was cool. But I haven't heard from her since. Um, I don't know. I'd like to leave some kind of positive impact whether it be in the kids that I've looked after as au pairing. I'm in the background of a lot of weird travel photos. I think that's a pretty cool one to leave. <laughs> um, but I just, I want to, I'd like to leave the earth a little bit better than I found it. And as much as that is like an environmental statement, I want to leave, have more of a positive impact than a negative one, both like emotionally and environmentally really. <laughs> Well, I will say that you at least did that for me. Um, I know I probably would not have gotten through those oh. first few months. As you know, we will not get into that because that's one, a whole different topic. And two, I'm not quite ready to talk about all of that on here. But oh. um, 
I, I really like every now and then I look back at that time and I'm like, oh, yeah, we really yeah. kept each other alive for a little bit. There. <laughs> yes, exactly. I appreciate you in many ways. And I definitely will remember you fondly, but please don't die anytime soon. Not in the plans. <laughs> so what would you say that you are doing about leaving this legacy that you would like to leave? Um, as, as you know, um, I really used to struggle with, I still do sometimes, um, mental illness, mm-hmm. um, anxiety kind of always, uh, but depression was a really big really big problem for me. It still can be sometimes. Um, and it really affected my ability to form relationships. Like it, it made me an aggressively selfish person of like, I just have to keep myself alive. I don't care what effect that has on anybody else. Um, so I think, you know, taking care of myself and making sure that I'm in a good place in my life really helps form those relationships and be a more, I mean, you've been friends with me for multiple, multiple years in multiple phases where you're like, Annie's kind of a crap friend right now. (laughs) And you can say that. And I will 100% be like, yeah, I was a crap friend for a while. Um, And it's just, that doesn't help anybody. And it's not healthy for the person that you're being. And it's nowhere near helpful for the people in your life. And, you know, they might love you unconditionally, but girl, those resentments are going to build up. So it's, I want to be a better person for myself, but more importantly, I just need to be a better person for the people in my life. So that's kind of like the legacy, the part of the legacy that I'm working on right now is just, am I a good person to be around for my friends, for my family, and then for the strangers that you meet for five seconds? Like the barista that sold me my coffee this morning, was I a negative person for her? Like, am I a a chip in the wrong direction for her for the day? Like, is she going to look back at her customers and be like, oh God, that woman was so horrible to me. Like, even if it's just a completely flat thing, like it's neither negative nor positive. Like that's the bare minimum of what I want to be. So trying to trying to have a better impact um, for everybody in my life has been kind of a, a journey, a goal. Now, don't get me wrong. I can be the pettiest person on the planet sometimes, but I'm trying to choose my moments a little more carefully. I love it. I think you're doing a great job. And <laughs> <laughs> again, I really appreciate you giving me and our listeners some of your time to the listeners. I hope that you really enjoyed this crazy up and down conversation of mostly staying on topic, but kind of not. And I'm kind of interested to hear it back and be like, wow, God, Abby really let me talk for 20 minutes. (laughs) Just straight, like no interruptions. Um, No, I absolutely enjoyed it. It was very funny. I got home from work and made myself a quick snack. And I have two roommates and I texted them and I was like, hey, I don't know if either of you guys, like what time you guys are going to be home, but when you guys get home, um, I'm going to be, I'm recording a podcast with a friend, like, please don't embarrass me. Um, But also (laughs) please tell me to like lower my voice if I'm interrupting. 
And one of my roommates is like, yeah, no, I'll be home later. Like, don't worry about it. And my second roommate was like, I've been home this whole time. <laughs> and girl, I was pra not practicing my answers, but I was like reviewing. Like I, I opened up my notes and everything. And I looked over the list of questions you sent me. And I was like, how would I explain this story? How would I explain this story? And it was just, I was talking out loud the whole time. <laughs> So I have had a great time. <laughs> I am so glad. <laughs> I'm really, really fascinated. I won't say I'm excited to hear it back, but oh, it's going to be interesting. Well, you get to do that in a couple weeks because it will be out at the end of the month. End of September. Very nice. I'm excited. Yeah. Yes, I will obviously get you the link. And um, as always, to our listeners, you are loved, you are worth it, you are priceless, and I will talk to you all later. 